they lied to us. They said it was going to be 65 degrees. I knew it was supposed to be rainy here in Michigan. It was supposed to basically be new, like, you know, Michigan summer. 65 degrees and rainy. It's supposed to be like 55 and rainy. I'm sad. So that's how we're going to start out the Lockdown Wolverines podcast. Part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Why do I have to start out every one of these as a non with like a completely weird non sequitur now? It's going to get weirder, guys, because I don't really unleash my brand of humor much on this. A little bit. Very, very, very little. But uh, generally, my style of humor is very, like, turn of the millennium Conan O'Brien. Kids in the hall. It's it's a bunch of nonsense. And when I took improv classes back in Ann Arbor when I was in college, the Improv Inferno one that existed, uh, most of those guys are over at Go Comedy now. Uh, it, well, I shouldn't say most of them. Some of them are uh, Sam Richardson and uh, Tim Robinson, who you might know from Detroiters, Sam Richardson's Veep. Uh, Jamie Moyer, who's out in L.A., Amy Phillips, who's doing some stuff with Andy Cohen. They were all part of this uh, Improv Inferno deal. Uh, but, uh, I was told by my teacher, Dan Izzo, no relation to Tom, although Dan Izzo is a Notre Dame guy, his wife, uh, Trish went to Michigan though. They, uh, he told me I needed to do more, more non sequiturs and I live life that way now. So now, you know, I say a bunch of random nonsense most of the time that people that, aren't around me on the daily, don't realize. But I say a bunch of absolute random what have you. So, with that in mind, I'm going to say some not random what have you, because it is podcast, 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 podcast mailbag day. Uh, So, going to take your questions and give you some answers. For the entire show, like we do every Thursday. So that's exciting. Um, All right. So starting with the leaders and best, James Crudup, uh, who leads off just about every one of these shows. I don't know what happened to Jason Howlett. Dude used to be number one in there, and now he's he's like once every other week. So James Crudup is taking taking the mantle. Uh, He says three players that need to really step up entering spring practice and three players that will leave a big mark by the end of spring practice. So, all right. I actually have four on the needs. And I'm going to move one of them from will to need, and I'm going to have to come up with another one while we go through here. But um, I'm going to say on the need side, guys that need to, it's going to start partially with like Donovan Jeter. Right, who who had like a really really good fall camp, uh, not fall camp, but uh, bowl prep, I should say, had a really good bowl prep, but we didn't end up actually seeing him in the bowl game. So I think he it kind of starts with him. He's a guy they they need those bodies in the middle. Yeah, you're gonna have some infusion there. You're gonna have you know you've already got you know Carlo Kemp, uh, in there and um. Blinking right now on the other one. It's too early. But, I mean, you, you've got some guys on the interior. You've got Mozzie Smith, who's early enrolled. You're bringing in Chris Hinton. 
I feel like Donovan Jeter is the guy that you really need to take a major step forward, especially with the departure of Aubrey Solomon. And Jeter was a guy that was like working. Uh, that looked at the time that when he was still healthy, from what I had heard, if I remember correctly, he was a guy that looked about as good as Aubrey Solomon at that time. Keep in mind, they were true freshmen, but Jeter was an early enrollee, so he had a little bit, he was a little bit ahead for that reason. But then he got his injury. He was a guy that they expected to see a lot in year one and then didn't happen and then, you know, recovering from injury. So he needs to be able to take that step forward because the fact that he didn't crack that too deep, be a part of that rotation last year, in my in my eyes, is a little disappointing because he's a guy that needs to be able to step up like that. Number two is Jalen Kelly Powell. Uh, Jalen Kelly Powell, uh, I think, has all the tools. I think he would have been a major part last year, but injuries kept him off the field, kept him from practicing, kept him from all of that. And then as soon as he got better, he got injured again. And that doesn't bode well when you have a guy like Daxton Hill coming in. Right? And that you lost your playing time to Brad Hawkins. Jameric Woods isn't going away. Had a really good bowl game. Special teams, yes, but had a really good bowl game. So... I feel like Jalen Kelly Powell gets slept on a little bit. I'm pretty sure I had him in my sleepers. He was a guy that was practicing with the ones this time last year in spring uh, spring camp. So he needs to get back to that level. Tyree Kinnell's gone. Dax Hill isn't on campus yet. You got other guys that are going to start challenging, guys like Sammy Faustin, who I've heard good things about. So I think... It's going to be incumbent on Jalen Kelly Powell, who has, he's a multiple tooled guy for him to be able to go out there and do his thing, I think would be huge. Um, beyond that, uh, Andrew Stuber, and this actually comes from more of the will. Andrew Stuber needs to have a big camp because I think his job's going to be on the line. Yes, he was the guy that went in when Juwan Bushel Beatty didn't go for the final two games, two and a half games. Uh, but Jalen Mayfield is sitting right there, right? So he's got to be able to go out there and do something because, and I don't think this will be a surprise, but on my will step up will be Jalen Mayfield. Because I've heard all indications are is that he's a dude, that he's really, really good. Um, one last need to step up guy is uh, uh, Benjamin St. Just. Kind of a similar deal as both Kelly Powell and Donovan Jeter in that he, you know, he sat out the entire season, didn't practice anything with injury last year uh, from the injury he sustained in uh, bowl prep for the Outback Bowl the year before. He's a guy that you you know you need him to be able to step up considering the depth at corner because you know you've got Lavert Hill and Ambry Thomas. You're gonna want uh beyond that, you know, obviously more, but you've got younger guys, Miles Sims, Jamon Green, Vincent Gray's the guy I keep on hearing about. So it's St. Juice needs to be able to come in and do his thing. Keep in mind Jalen Perry's already on campus as well. He's going to be a dude eventually. 
So I think it's his time, really. As far as Will, it's funny because I mentioned all these injured guys, and this is kind of my sleepers list almost. Luigi Villain, I think, will take a major, major step forward because he's going to get the opportunity. He's healthy now. Uh, I think he's an athletic freak. I think it's going to be one of those things, especially based off of need. We already know Quiddy Pay is really good. I think you're going to see a major step forward with Aiden Hutchinson, but I think Luigi Villain is going to come in and be a starter just because I think he's that good. And I think that he's going to just shock people that don't know who he is. I know that if you're following recruiting a lot and all that stuff, you know exactly who he is, but, you know. Um, Jalen Mayfield, I already mentioned him. So my third one on the will is going to be no surprise. And again, the other top sleeper that I had is Christian Turner. I just wrote about him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like I, I just sat, wrote about him. Sorry. I was getting a, getting a text from a, from somebody here that, uh, is of relevance, but the, um, But yeah, so uh, I think Christian Turner is going to be, he's going to be, I think I've, I've been saying Zach Charbonnet before, but I think it's based off of everything I'm hearing. If things continue to move in the direction that they've been, I think Christian Turner will end up being your starter, but Zach Charbonnet will be a healthy, it'll be a healthy one-two punch, right? It'll be what you see at, you know, any school like Alabama or whatever that has more than one running back. I think it's going to really, really be awesome. Um, all right, moving on, because that took a lot longer than I hoped. George DiGiglio asks, every year there seems to be a surprise freshman who seeks to field more often than expected or more than expected. He said, mentioned Ronnie Bell, Sean McCune, who Sean McCune we, wasn't really, he, it was his redshirt freshman year that we saw him a lot. Who do you think can be those guys on OND this year? Uh, also, any chance you can do player comps for the incoming recruits? Yes, it's unfair, but still fun reading. Love the show. Um, probably not the best to do the player counts for incoming recruits, to be honest. That's just not really my forte. If I did it, it would be disingenuous. So I, I'm going to refrain from that just because I, I'm not that type of guy that can evaluate a player in such a fashion to be like, yeah, this is who he is. I can with some guys like Zach Charbonnet, I've been saying is Toby Gerhardt, really? Um, it depends, but it, it really depends on the guy. I just don't think it would be the smart thing for me to do. So, uh, as far as surprise freshmen who will see the field uh, early, I mean, hmm. I know I probably could have thought about that earlier, but uh, I mean, su so we're talking surprise. We know we're going to see Zach Charbonnet. We know we're probably going to see Mozzie Smith. Uh, just kind of looking at the list of everybody. David Ajabo, I think, wouldn't be a surprise. He's already up to 260. He came in at 240. He's up to 260. He's trying to get to 280. So I think that he could be a guy. Uh, Mike Sainristil, who's already on campus as well, I think that he could be a guy that you'd see on offense. Um, I don't think it's a surprise to say that Giles Jackson, I think, is another guy that you'll see do the same. Cornelius Johnson, I think you're going to see. I don't think that's much of a question. Um. But yeah, the, like I don't really want to get into like s predict some of the guys like Mike Morris or DJ Turner, you know, the guys that aren't on campus and be like, yeah, they're going to stand out because we don't know. Closest to that, I think, is Charles Thomas, who 
Harbaugh talked about on his podcast a couple weeks ago um, and said that uh, he's going to be the second coming of Devin Bush. So I could see that. He's from Georgia. He played at IMG Academy before he transferred to St. Thomas More in Connecticut. I think he would be a guy and maybe George Johnson, uh, who I think that could be a player on the offensive side of the ball. But I don't think that there's necessarily a clear-cut Chris Evans, Ronnie Bell type this time around compared to some other times. So, hope I did not repeat myself there. If I did, it's because my audio program likes to screw up every now and again. And I did not go all the way back to re-listen to everything that I said. Uh, but I think I cut out what I thought I cut out. So apologies if I did. Um, but yeah. Uh, Chubbs Granberry asks, which, which Michigan player basketball needs to step it up a little more for them to make a run in the tourney, or can they do it as a collective and with defense? I think they can do it with collective and with defense. I mean, they need, but I think it all hinges on Charles Matthews, though. Charles Matthews needs to come back healthy because he's, both and I think he needs to hit offensively. I think that's really what it is. And John Beeline talked yesterday about how he's he's never played a bad defensive game and how he probably was the difference in you know those Michigan State games and whatever. So I think that that's a that is probably a Charles Matthews deal. I think he needs to come in. He needs to be healthy. He needs to be able to contribute offensively and play the way he can on defense. And I think if he does that, and then you just get enough production from the rest of everybody else offensively, I think you'll be good. That's the way I look at it. Do you have a smartphone with a voice assistant or even better, one of those smart speakers like an Amazon Echo, Google Home, or Apple HomePod? Or do you have that type of capability in your car? Well, if you do, just tell your voice assistant to play Lockdown Wolverines and go from there. With a new episode every weekday, it's as simple as that to stay connected, and you can do it with the help from the technology right in your car, your home, or even your hand. Remember... Play Lockdown Wolverines. More of your questions coming up next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know, it's funny. I thought that there was no way that it's like, man, I'm only putting three questions up top in the first segment compared to normally like having four or five. And I was like, this is going to be short. And it is not. <laughs> we might not be able to get to every question today. We're going to try them. Uh, Ken charge or K E N charge at DJ superb underscore sounds with a Z. Will Gaddis challenge Brown schemes, forcing him to adjust and can Brown make Gaddis adjust to his schemes? Yes. And yes. I mean, absolutely. For the people who kind of act like, Don Brown is like some abject failure. He is not like we've talked about. He's had three bad games really truthfully as a defensive coordinator at Michigan. And one of them he did with his arms, you know, both of his hands tied behind his back, not having Rashawn Gary or Devin Bush uh, in the bowl game. I think if you have Devin Bush, just Devin Bush against Florida, I think Michigan probably wins that game. If the offense can get anything going. 
I think it was that simple. I think, and I think if you had Devin Bush and Karan Higdon, that Michigan would have steamrolled Florida personally, because the ways that Michigan was ineffective was because of those two players being out. And I know the people who are angry about players sitting out don't want to hear that, but unfortunately, that's the truth. I just, I think that Michigan had everything there, but uh, remember, Gaddis is as smart as, and I think as good as he's going to be. This is his first year being an offensive coordinator. Don Brown's been doing this for a very, very long time. Uh, but yes, I do think that I think that his speed and space type deal will help prepare them for eventual Ohio State type games. I think it will force him to do that a bit. But I also think that uh, I think that what Don Brown's able to do will make Gaddis an infinite, an infinitely better offensive coordinator because he hasn't had to go up against this type of defensive pressure constantly. And I think that will. I think that will definitely help him evolve. Andrew Trigstad at a trigger. How much of a role do you think Ben Mason will have in the retooled offense? I think, like, one of the things Gaddis said coming out of, um, that, like, when his, it wasn't a press conference. I think it would have been one of his conversations, whether it was with Harbaugh on his podcast or John Jansen. I can't remember which one. Uh, but he was saying, like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not cut entirely from a different cloth from Jim Harbaugh and what he wants to do. I think he's completely able to do, you know, like he's like, I want to run first, you know? So I think that you're going to see some of those same concepts. I think people that think that Michigan's just going to go away from 12 or 22 personnel type. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. I just think that they're going, I still think that they're going to get those guys in space, but I still think that you're going to see, you know, 21, 22, 12, all that type of personnel. I mean, 12 is probably more obvious, but you're going to see tight ends. You're going to see fullbacks. You're going to see that type of thing. Maybe less so. Like, I, I remember seeing on Twitter, or not Twitter, on Instagram, Ben Van Sumeren saying that he was going to be playing more linebacker than fullback. So maybe that gets phased out a little bit. Maybe Ben Mason plays some linebacker. I don't know. But I still think he'll definitely have a role. Um And... I think that they still want to run the football. It just depends on, uh, like, they there just might be a lot more misdirection. I think they'll be smart about it, though. So I still think he'll, his role will be about the same, but maybe going forward there won't be as much of a fullback-type situation. Um, Landon Kane at Real Landon Kane. What happened to Quinn Nordine? Well, Quinn's issue is from what Chris Partridge had said publicly all um, all fall was his issue is between his ears. And, you know, we've seen that he has the leg to be able to do things. And, there, you know, he's like in practice, he'll go out and do things. And then sometimes you have, you know, have these scenarios in which he isn't able to do them in games. Not all of them are his fault. The Penn State block was because Zach Gentry missed an assignment, blocking-wise. And, unfortunately, it, it made, made Quinn look bad. But, unfortunately, Jake Moody comes in and he doesn't have that issue. He has the big leg. So now... Quinn's got to fight for his job if he want you know wants it back. It's pretty much that. Um, I don't think it's I don't think he's being hindered by an injury. I could be wrong. I just think he's got to sort some stuff out. And they, it's uh, that inconsistency at the position is not ideal when you have a guy behind you that is not as inconsistent. 
So it's just a matter of uh, him kind of finding that balance because you know what? He's got the experience. He's got the, the know-how he's got the physical tools is just about overcoming those mental aspects that have kept him from necessarily being as successful as he's wanted to be. Michael post at Michael seven zero one zero seven three five zero. That's really long captain front runners or likelihoods who seems like a bowl game skipper. I don't know who seems like a bowl game skipper. It's not really, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said that Karan Higdon would have skipped a bowl game, right? So I wouldn't definitely wouldn't have thought that Juwan Bushel Beatty would have skipped a bowl game. So yeah. Uh Captain Frontrunners. I wrote about Josh Metellus this morning. I think that he's a guy that definitely could be in that position. Uh, he's being a vocal leader, other defensive guy that I think that may, you know, it, he's, I think, more of a show-don't-tell type guy, could be Levert, but I think they're going to do probably a junior and a senior like they did last year. So, if you're looking at a junior, and I didn't think about this in advance, eesh, I don't really know. Because Metellus seems to me like he's probably one of your likely guys there. Um... Or Kalik Hudson. I guess one of the two. Either either one. Behind them, I just don't know. Really. Josh Ross? Josh Ross would probably be my choice there. Ben Bredesen, I think, Holt continues to be a captain on the offensive side. Uh, I probably would have said Chris Evans. if, And, you know, maybe that would be the case if he gets back. But um, I guess otherwise it could be Donovan Peoples-Jones. If you do, again, the junior-senior deal. Um or Caesar Ruiz. Actually, Caesar Ruiz probably is more likely, but would they both be at the same, you know, both on the same position group? I don't know. Those would be the guys that I think would be likely and then front runners. Kurt Elvisteffer at Kurt Alv8. Do you see True Wilson's role expanding next season or more still more of a situational guy? I think he'll be, you know, in, in a place to do what he did last year, if not more. Um, just partially because of uncertainty, partially because he is such a good pass blocker. Because that's the thing that we don't know about Christian Turner, nor do we know it about Zach Charbonnet, is what's this pass blocking like? Because we knew that Karan Higdon could pass block. And that's why True Wilson got more of an opportunity and had about equal running stats to Chris Evans, which seems bizarre, but it's what happened last year. Um, I'd have to look at the risk of the audio program freezing on me unknowingly. Thank you, Adobe uh, Audition. Uh, but yeah, Chris Evans ran for 423 yards on 81 carries. True Wilson ran for 364 and 62 carries. A little bit higher average um, on less attempts per game. I think that he could be equally involved. And I think that... Uh, he could definitely, he'll definitely could see his role increase. It's just going to be depending on how much does he step it up with a couple guys pushing him. He was already ahead of Christian Turner for the most part. So can he keep it that way? I don't think he'll be able to keep ahead necessarily of Christian Turner and Zach Charbonnet, but that doesn't mean that he won't see an increase in opportunities or production, if that makes any kind of sense. All right, moving on to the break, and then we have like five questions, which I don't think we're going to get to, but we're going to try all from the same person. So 
You know, don't be greedy, man. <laughs> Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcasts. Our demographic is 98% male and has more education and earns more than traditional media audiences. Get in while you can. I know I've been saying this for a very long time, this spot, but it is going to be going away before too long. I promise you that. Uh, have your company sponsor this here podcast. Email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. All right, we got about four minutes to finish up. And so we're going to do that. Uh, four minutes. Got four questions. All from Michael McClendon. And I knew a Mike McClendon in L.A. It's probably not the same one. I had, he was from Texas, I believe. At Michael McClend. Since we're losing four starters on OL after this year, do you think Michigan will play some of the other OL for real minutes like Jones or Rumler? Um, I don't necessarily... I think you'll see them in some of the four games and whatever, uh, for sure. I think you'll definitely see them try to work some of those guys in. Uh, I don't know that you're necessarily losing for OL. I don't. I mean, yes, Cesar Ruiz could go early. You're definitely losing uh, Runyon. You're definitely losing Bredesen. Uh, you're, you're, yeah, on when you would be gone as well. I, I think you're going to see them try to get some of those guys sometimes, but I don't think it necessarily is is that type of deal. Now, you're going to see Mayfield. You're going to see Stuber. You're going to see Filiaga. You're going to see Spinellis anyway. As far as getting some of the other guys real, real minutes, I don't know. I think you'll see them within four games, but it will probably be in the same context that you saw Mayfield this year. Who will be the tackles and who will back them up to go along with that? I think it's going to be... Runyon on the left side, and uh, again, way too early to tell, but I'm just going to bank on Mayfield winning. Uh, I think you're going to see it be Stuber behind Mayfield and left side. I don't know. I think it's too early for me to really... Maybe Ryan Hayes. I know that sounds like a little early. He's, he has the technique. He's just missing the size, I was told. Wrote about that in December. Maybe Ryan Hayes. I feel like I'm missing somebody. It would be a different story if James Hudson didn't transfer, but it is what it is. Um, Why is Michigan not prioritizing California more? It seems with the Michigan alumni and lack of winning teams in the state, now would be a time to pounce outside of Jay Harbaugh. It seems like it's not a priority at all. I wouldn't say that. It's You got to go for what kind of works, right? And... um. Let's see. I had this pulled up. I've cheated. I went on to 24-7 Sports because they have their nice little database and everything that I can look at. works really, really well. Um, But uh, because I'm going to answer this in kind of a double deal. Now, they have 23 guys offered in California. But you just have a better chance sometimes with some of these guys in Florida and Georgia. And I think you're splitting hairs. Honestly, to me, with California, it's... Because a lot of guys are going to go to USC, UCLA, and Stanford. So, I mean, that that's the issue you face, you know, to some degree. And then, you know, when you do get a guy out here, like Michigan's getting Giles Jackson, and you hope, you hope that there isn't the, the shock of living here for an entire, you know, through the winter and everything like that. Uh, or you get, you know, guys that get homesick, Devin Asiasi, you know, type deal. You hope you know you hope that that they you know they continue, but to me, I would be approaching Texas more 
than California because I think it's just as talent rich, not more. So, but I think they're doing the right thing by going Florida and Georgia because I think that that's a little bit more feasible and and I know Florida has the same climate issue potentially, but Georgia not as much. Georgia, I mean, when I was down there for the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, the weather was not that much better than it was up here in December. So, um, that might just be a micro deal, but still. All right, closing out. Last question. Uh, OL was clearly the most heavily recruited position for 2019. What do you think is the most recruited position of 2020? And that is they have 60 reported offers out to wide receivers, and it's that's by far the, the biggest. Makes sense since they, they, they did take five in the last class, but a couple of them are those, you know, Giles Jackson, Mike Sainer still, George Johnson. As far other otherwise, I mean, really, you had one bona fide, obvious wide receiver. Um, well, two, I guess, Quinnell Kent and um, Cornelius Johnson. But that's who they're, they're, they're seeming to target the most right now. Uh, and that kind of includes some cast-catching tight ends. I think that they should go after a lot of tight ends, and they are. I mean, guys like Theo Johnson or um, what's his name? Yelverton, Elijah Yelverton. Those are guys that they're chasing right now. That's all the time we've got. So for the Lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at on Wolverines or Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you would like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts or online at WolverinesWire.com, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.